Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to Danny Rittman, who's the CTO at GBT Technologies, has a tremendous amount of experience in the security or cybersecurity space, actually has a PhD in computer science. So I wasn't sure if I was supposed to call him Dr. Rittman, but he told me I could call him Danny. So I appreciate that. Um, we're going to be talking to Danny about some of the flaws with traditional firewalls, some commonly overlooked and unprotected gateways into digital infrastructures, and some of the biggest security risks for businesses as well as consumers at this very moment. But before we do that, just want to say hi to Danny. Danny, how are you today? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me today. Uh, my pleasure. I looked at your LinkedIn bio, and it says that you're either based in San Diego or Santa Monica. Is that accurate? Yes, correct. I'm in. I'm based in San Diego area, and we actually operate from here the R&D activities for the company for GBT. Wow. So um, I'm I'm based normally based in the Seattle area, Bellevue Redmond. I'm sure you're familiar with um, you know where Microsoft's at there. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, but, I, I used to I used to station there. Sorry for many years. I used to uh, consult for uh, high tech companies there, so I like the area. Yeah, it's nice when the weather's nice, but um, we get a lot of cold, dark, rainy days. And yes. <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time in San Diego for both work and my boys play soccer at a reasonably high level. And you have some tremendous tournaments down in San Diego about three or four times a year. I love it there. If I could move tomorrow to like Encinitas, uh, Solana, <laughs> Del Mar, um, I would I'd, I would do it. Yeah, <laughs> Make yeah. me an offer, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful here. The, the weather is always, you know, typically sunny. The, the weather, you know, it's really comfortable. Uh, but but I guess you pay the price. It's it's expensive, you know, cost of living here. But that's you know, but the weather is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because cost of living wise, real estate wise, there's I mean, from the Bellevue area, it's it's kind of similar. But when you factor in all the taxes and extra uh, costs associated with living in in Southern California, it is pricier. We've done the we've done the calculus on that. Anyway, hey, um, you've got like I said, I'm. I'm a uh, very extensive background in the R&D space and cybersecurity. Um, yeah. I, I have a ton of questions to ask you, but let's just start off with like the big one. What should be the biggest security concerns or what are the biggest security risks for both businesses? Let's start with businesses and then let's also talk about consumers. Yeah. So, you know, the, the world of cybersecurity, unfortunately, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, hacking into system is evolving, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, luckily for us, we also, you know, with the good guys providing the, you know, on, on the flyer and real time solutions. Um, you know, watching the news and, and you know, what's happened in the, in the cyber world and cyber attacks in, in the past few years, you can tell that, you know, majority of companies, you know, that basically suffered from cyber attack. Typically it goes, you know, into database. Okay, um, I just give an example of, you know, uh, a medical insurance company that got hacked in Australia and uh, the hackers, you know, put a ransomware, you know, the company had uh, nine point something millions of uh, of patients and they threatened, you know, if they're not going to get paid, then, you know, they're going to leak the data, the personal private data of the patients to the internet. Um, company debated, you know, although company actually did uh, 
um, meet and, and, and took all the, the measures that are typical for security, you know, they still, um, you know, uh, apologized. They, uh, they didn't uh, respond to the, uh, to the uh, attackers. And they did, unfortunately, leak some, uh, some information to the Internet. Company, of course, uh, you know, tried to do uh, initiate what we call content search to to protect the, the patients and and the whole thing. But but just to show that you know sometimes you know uh, hackers unfortunately do find a way even with all the um, you know the measures we take. But the main ideas uh, in a nutshell, how businesses can make sure they're fully protected. You know, there's never going to be fully, but the max they can. Uh, against cyber attacks. So the first, you know, the first thing is always to to remember, you know, to weigh, you know, the the cost, how much I'm going to invest in a in a cybersecurity system, versus what type of information I have to protect. But in any case, ultimately, companies eventually boils to the you know to the budget. How much budget do they have to invest? You can do top notch everything, or you can do you know less, and then you know you got vulnerabilities. So. Um, Again, I can talk hours about this, but I really cut well, it short. Maybe, so, maybe, yeah. Maybe, can you be a little bit specific about like what are the biggest threats that you're seeing right now for businesses? Is, is for example, business email compromise, or other other types of threats? Correct. One vulnerability, by the way, is IoT devices. This is major. Uh, IoT devices, IoT technology is penetrating, is growing on you know every day. Uh, worldwide. So IoT devices, uh, to our opinion, uh, definitely lack, you know, um, um, cybersecurity, what we call efficiency. Uh, starting with weak passwords, you know, uh, what we call the uh, hard-coded passwords, um, protocols are not updated, firmwares are not, you know, fairly have vulnerabilities, updates and uh, outdated uh, firewalls, even that protects, it comes with this system. So this is you know, a very um, risky um, area, the IoT. Um, you know, that's, so IoT is, all, I always say, this is the first area to look into. Uh, of course, other areas of vulnerabilities are the typical ones, you know, we're talking about firewalls. And uh, even firewalls, you know, as, as much as we have, you know, they definitely have also their own vulnerability. If it's, a, um, you know, lax passwords, for example, notorious difficulty, you know, it's it's fairly um, exposing to exploit attacks. Uh, outdated uh, software or firewalls also can be outdating outdated uh, information. If it's hardware or software, is always uh, a, a topic need to be addressed by companies. Um, if we if we look at the IoT though, yeah. that vector, what what are some you know critical steps that you know. CTOs or CISOs, I guess it would be CISOs that should do to make sure that those IOTs are not a vulnerable vulnerability. Uh, so first of all, uh, updates, uh, firmware updates. Okay. Um, also, um, not only uh, the update is, is a very um, very important thing. Not only in IoT in every device, but especially there, um, you know, it has to be con continuously updated and make sure. Um, another thing is to uh, typical um, is the poor defaults we call them. Okay, uh, when I say poor defaults means weak passwords. Okay, easy, um, easy. This gives you easy access to the network, which from there you can go ever. You know, you can hack into a fridge, you can hack into a, 
um, TV or even a coffee machine if it's an IoT device, and then from there you go further. Okay, so it, it does give you know um, a bridge, a, a, a door, you know, a gateway to go forward. So updating, um, you know, the firmware, you know, make sure that uh, the um, the defaults are being changed. Okay, it means passwords, protocols, network protocols themselves. Okay, network protocols themselves are also typically offer, um, you know, fairly uh, weakness on that because even there, uh, we actually get access. You know, once we, we get access, um, then we get, we are inside. So uh, again, just a typical uh, by talking about password again. Uh, many IoT devices come with the default hardcoded password, or password one two three, or admin, extremely vulnerable. Um, so more more issues that typically that can be exploited by hackers is uh, basically the services and open ports that's on the hardware side. Okay, an attack against, for example, a device can start on open ports that are not protected, and this can be done protected by hardware or by software. You can see, by the way, many um, of the big companies that are making, for example, routers. Um, you know, don't want to say names here, but many of the major ones offer today firewall, not only firewall, offer a security system starting at the router level itself, uh, a combination of uh, hardware and software. So starting at the router level with some um, cybersecurity measure, and then after that, of course, all your devices, if you have computers, if you have laptops, if you have IoT devices, all these have to be protected on top. In this way, you, you just by doing this, you, you created at least a few layers of cybersecurity, make things much harder to attack. Outdated software, I, I mentioned, lack of encryption, by the way, that's something that we found in a few, uh, in many of IoT devices, encryption, encryption, I always say encryption, decryption is something that is a must today. And not only with network, you know, typical computer networks, wireless network, wireless, that's very important to do also here. You have a lots of wireless um, system like the LoRa, it's called the LoRa one, it's a network that is very common for IoT devices, and they do actually have encryption, but you know, definitely can be improved there. Because even network encryption today, you know, there are tools to actually decrypt or to find the keys, um, key exchanges, so etc. So we always stress the idea of encryption, lack of uh, robust encryption. Um, continue you know, talking, yeah, please. Well, I, I want to stop for a second, because yeah. when we talk about IoT devices, yeah. Obviously, for businesses or you know any kind of organization, this is a concern. But it's also a concern for consumers. Absolutely. And, and you know, you mentioned the coffee pots, the refrigerators, the garage door openers, and all of those are potential vectors. And you also provided some suggestions to in, in uh, for protecting those vectors or preventing them from being attacked. Correct. Most of those measures are relatively sophisticated compared to what a typical homeowner or you know individual can do on their own. Now, if I'm a, a you know a typical individual or maybe I'm a parent and I've got a few kids in my family in my house, what do I do? Well, that's 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 a good point. So one of the options again for consumers 
especially with those routers or those modems, you know, DSL modems come with hard-coded password. And you could, you can change this password. Of course, they tell you, look, you can just log, use your browser, put some IP address, go into the setup of the, of the, of the router and change the default hard-coded password. You could change it, but it is not that trivial for the average user. Um, the best way is if you could put, for example, another, um, I would say, a wireless router, um, um, you know, after your, let's say, DSL, um, you know, box, that's giving you another level of protection. Another way is to, uh, of course, on computers and laptops, install software. Of course, you know, you have a wide variety of trustworthy uh, authentication uh, and antivirus and firewall, just name it today, you have plenty of good companies that offer that. Um, that's without being too much knowledgeable and not too much, you know, uh, what we call a, a tech geek to go into the actual router or the DSL modem and start to change passwords. So one way is after your modem, put another secured, um, you know, uh, router that is wireless. So this will make sure you buy one that includes already some type of security and we have many in the market. Uh, and on top of it, equip all your system with software, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, um, attacks. This is antivirus, firewalls, etc. Okay, makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, at the same time, I, I don't see how that completely would protect somebody from exploiting a vulnerability with the firmware in my refrigerator, for example. Well, the, again, if your, if your refrigerator is connected to your uh, wireless router that already comes with some cyber inside it with some firewall combination hardware and software, then yes, the, the you know, even if you don't update your refrigerator uh, firmware, you get some protection from your router. Uh, it is, of course, you know, if, if the best, if you'll remember also to update and if you have a smart refrigerator, they uh, they do have a menu and you can just do update firmware and just make sure, uh, actually most of these even have a mobile app and they actually give you alerts, look, I have a new firmware version to install, please install. So that's important to update firmwares. And I always say it's very important and everything, not only in the fridge and whatever you can, if it's TV, smart TV, uh, coffee machine or any of this sort. But if you don't want to do, you know, afraid or people do not want to get this direction, at least put a, a wireless uh, a router after your modem, make sure the wireless router when you purchase in the store includes some type of cybersecurity mechanism already on it. Okay, makes a lot of sense. Hey, I, I noticed in your brief, um, that it, it mentions something called radio frequency breaches and and you are able to kind of explain how to combat radio frequency breaches could you tell us what a radio frequency breach is and then of course how do we prepare or combat combat them yeah sure yeah well radio radio frequency um you know breaches typically are basically hacking into a wireless network you know you get assuming the key for the router, and you you can you can actually get um, basically in the systems, especially people that are not aware. I mean, companies typically aware, and they have a whole a few layers of, of mechanism to secure their network. But those who are not aware or do not put too much attention to it, um, theoretically, someone that near you know near your router and connect um, to your modem or to your router and has the have the password in some way 
now has access to your laptops, has access to your, um, you know, all the system that actually connected to your network. Um, and from there, of course, you know, again, depends on the level of protection. This person can actually hack into your laptop, get some data, get some information, etc., etc. Um, although it's hard if you, again, if your computer is um, protected by antivirus and, and uh, fairly uh, good uh, cyber program, it, it makes it hard, but it's still doable. So another type of uh, hacking into a wireless system is actually getting a transmission of, of a radio network. You know, if as I mentioned one here, you know, IoT device typically are working a few uh, radio uh, network protocols. And, you know, although they are encrypted, uh, to our humble opinion, lots of work still can be done in this area. Uh, so if hackers get the keys into this, um, into this data, can decrypt the data and, you know, basically get here still some information. Um, so that's two type of, you know, wireless related type of hacking. Um, again, we, uh, to avoid as much as we could in here, we always recommend if it's a radio and wireless encryption, decryption should be um, paid attention and uh, carefully. We have a protocols for that, uh, you know, minimum 256 bit, we, we know we recommend, but today we even have more. There are protocols for this, that those who are actually uh, doing the, this technology or making this technology are aware of it, and I'm sure um, implementing it or will implement as we speak. So. That's that's the major vulnerability that we see. Uh, of course, you know the typical is uh, infrastructures. Um, of course, uh, in insufficient physical security level here as well, and that can come on the hardware level. Uh, you know, for example, reading uh, um, uh, memory components uh, information directly by somebody that somehow attack. You know, hack into your system wirelessly and can read the memory. Can read your hard disk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we, physical attacks on, on devices can be can occur, you know, after penetrating, after uh, hacking into the system, and uh, just you know, user need to be aware that today, any any type of weird message that you know your computer all of a sudden pops some window and says, wait a minute, I, I see something here. Any type of weird emails, any type of thing that is out of the normality of the using the users today should be aware that okay you know we need to make sure uh, check this what's happening here it could be a cyber attack got you hey i am also looking at your bio and it says that you've spent a great deal of, of your career researching and developing new forms of cybersecurity that fill the gaps created by traditional systems and tactics can you give a couple examples of that sure yeah we actually uh, involved for the past few years because we actually investigated deep into this and, and one of the things, you know, direction that, that we basically investigate was um, a better key exchanges, you know, for cybersecurity. And I don't want to get too too difficult, but, but the key exchange, um, you know, if I'm actually trying to do it in a simple, is basically a method, you know, a crypto, cryptographic method. When keys are exchanged between parties, um, you know, allowing users to basically share data or exchange data uh, while it's encrypted, decrypt, you know, and there are a few methods of it. There are many, lots of research is, is always constantly done in this direction, but we actually investing 
um, you know, vast effort in here because we believe we, we develop some type of proprietary technology to, um, to actually improve uh, the security of uh, this information of data, you know, the, what we call the data exchange between users. It can be, it doesn't matter, any website, uh, I'm sure you're familiar, when you go to a website today, you have the little secure, the little lock on the browser. Well, those who do not have the lock means, okay, it's unsecured. Today, the Windows uh, alert about it. Any any browser actually will alert it's not secure communication. But that lock icon that you see is not for nothing. It actually means that your data exchange, you're not interacting on a website of, it doesn't matter, a website. Um, but the data that you exchange on this website, if you put credit card, if you do search, if you do, it's secured. That means it does work, um, you know, via uh, information that you exchange with this website, and this is done via key exchange. So, um, you know, it's a method that we also, one of the methods that we're working, and we'll continue working um, in the next upcoming years. Um, another direction we're also taking is we actually doing what we called uh, a database. One of the major issues we want to, assuming somebody got already hold of a data, um, in some way, then how are we going to prevent, how are we going to protect that, that data from being, you know, uh, what we call, if it encrypts, uh, you know, from being decrypted, etc. So we also, one of the patterns that GBT has is what we call a database management and sharing um, patent. And in this way, we segment, we split the data in many, many, I would say thousands, sometimes millions, to, of, of little segments, so even if somebody get hold of some part of data, he, you know, only together of if all uh, segments of this will be assembled together according to a certain index and keys, then you will actually get the message, okay, hello world. But if somebody um, hacks or, or, you know, gets only a piece of data, which basically split over many um, uh, data storage, it, basically this data is meaningless. So we also work on this way to secure the data itself. Very similar to the blockchain that we are familiar with, but this is a bit further uh, on the data side. So data security, exchange of information security, these are the areas we're working on. Excellent. And when you say we, I'm, I'm assuming what you're talking about is uh, GBT Technologies? Yes, that's the company, GBT, yes. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about um, what you're actually offering in the marketplace right now? Well, GBT, uh, basically for the past few years, we worked in a, in a vast few domains. One of them is uh, we actually heavily, well, GBT actually was established uh, uh, with the microchip, integrated circuits world. I myself, I worked for many years, I consulted for companies, the major ones, if it's Intel, if it's IBM, um, you know, so accumulated um, vast experience in this domain and brought it, you know, brought it with me and, and GBT is heavily invested into integrated circuits. Um, as you know, the world is currently in a, in a shortage of integrated circuits. It's caused issues with manufacturing, you know, with the COVID created a, a backlog on manufacturing and, and we could see it in the past, you know, many months, you know, new cars could not manufacture the same rate because they just didn't have enough microchips to, to, to do that. Um, and many others electronics. So, but beside that, GBT, um, one of the greatest uh, IP that GBT has is we invented a granted patent for a multi-planetary um, 
integrated circuit architecture. Um, as microchips typically are basically fabricate on a single wafer, uh, what we call a wafer, it's a, it's a wingot, it's a, it's a circle cut of a, that on top of it we etch the circuits. Well, um, GBT invented a technology to actually create microchips uh, on a few planes. So for the simplest, uh, to make things simple, I think about a cube. If I can take a 3D cube, and put a, a microchip circuits on each um, side of it, then I just now made, uh, you know, a much huge, uh, much larger real estate, uh, silicon real estate to create larger chips. Now think that we have bigger uh, multi-planetary uh, um, shapes. Um, so th that's that's where, uh, you know, hectagons or hexagons. Uh, so. Um, that's where GBT um, did the, one of the major patents that we actually got granted, I believe, a year ago, the first one, and we actually got the second one granted as well. And we filed even more um, because we believe this is the future, especially as we go down uh, on the nanometer side, we go to seven nanometer, five, three, and we're talking about two and one. Um, we believe that multi-planetary uh, shapes to be formed on the silicon can be a, a whole new game to create microchips of the next generation. So microchip is one of the um, area we are focused on. Um, another area is artificial intelligence. We actually created a proof of concept, just some for now uh, to even, we, we even put it online, we call it the Hippocrates system to uh, exchange information with the user to interact with users via questions and answers mechanism. User can give, look, I have a symptoms, I have a headache, I have this, I feel a fever, and the system will interact to try to provide uh, initial uh, advice regarding, regarding diagnostics. You know, it's very good for remote locations. You know, it's a desk, okay, system say, you may have a pneumonia, you may have, uh, you know, a cold, or anything like this, and of course, refer to uh, further medical professionals, but at least the user can get um, an initial idea what, you know, what's going on. I'd providing only as an advice, you know, it's not a professional um, tip, but this is a full um, artificial intelligence system, a neural network that basically works um, to learn uh, about the user, about the patient, uh, case and advice, you know, according to uh, reasoning that it actually does. So artificial intelligence, uh, medical apparatus field, microchips, that's the main areas that we are into. Wow, that's that's a lot. And they're not completely 100% aligned or supplemental complementary. I mean, to some to some extent, I should say they, they can be aligned, but they're not necessarily big overlaps. Um, and if I understand correctly, you know, the technology that you're working for the chip fabrication or wafer fabrication is instead of the traditional flat wafer, you're looking at optimizing the surface area by adopting these um, these other shapes, right? Um, which would allow you to get more circuits uh, per per wafer. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yes, exactly. That's the case. We, we, you know, especially today, you know, microchips of today need to be huge. Uh, they want to put more functionalities. We want to have AI chips. This can be, be created, you know, a whole, whole monster of, you know, so especially on this and memory, think about memories. 
we want to make, you know, our patent, our IP offers a technology to basically exponentially increase almost, you know, the, the capabilities of putting circuits on a chip, on a die. Uh, by introducing this multi-planetary approach, so, okay, now the same little disk on key that you could have today, you have 256 gigabyte, you could have terabytes of memory, for example, because memory is plain real estate on a chip. Yes, and that's on a die, it's on a wafer. So we believe this is a great uh, breakthrough. Uh, we're working hard to try to find partners as we speak to, you know, go into research further. And, you know, we still need to work with manufacturing and see what the best shape to do, you know, but that's according to which process. You know, every process is, has its own physics, its own difficulties. You know, creating a multi-planetary chip in an older process is going to be different than making it in a new process, advanced deep nanometer, let's say five nanometer, because they have different physics, uh, different design rules. It's, you know, we even have another patent pending for it that actually um, recommends the best shape to use according to the process. If you want to make a seven nanometer chip, maybe it's the best to do it cube. Maybe if you want to do three nanometer, maybe hectagon is the best. So, you know, there's lots of work need to be done, but definitely we believe this is the future. So how does one company do so many different things? I mean, you're, you know, you just talked about your technology and process for uh, manufacturing chips, uh, but then you also talked about an AI, uh, voice-driven AI-type solution. Uh, how, you know, how do you manage that? <laughs> Thank you. Well, we have for every task, of course, we have its own team, for example, on the artificial intelligence. We have, you know, programmers that are, that's what they do, mathematicians, and these guys are good in this in their domain and we work on that you know on that area for example we don't have you know we don't do a prototype we try to do with the major things with the major topics we try to produce you know a patent an ip we are we actually declare ourselves as an ip company create an ip create a patent and you know we try to also produce a prototype um, and that's it. We're not going to go to manufacturing at this point because we then we try and the business model is to try and to find you know, licensee, you know, to license the technology and, you know, get royalties or get, you know, our, our share of it. Um, one of the examples, for example, we made recently in the past two years, we created a device called a Q-Term. Q-Term is a very tiny device, maybe two inches length, looks like a little finger thing. You put your finger on it. It has some some hardware and it takes your vitals. Within 30 seconds or 20 seconds, you get your body temperature, your heart rate, uh, and oxygen in the blood. So, you know, this information is sent to a mobile app. Mobile app, you know, is already equipped to send it later to uh, our AI engine, which is here going to provide analytics and basically what we call a health watcher for the user. So with this type of technology, with the Q-Term, we actually created everything and we have a complete package today to lenses. We have a patent and we have um, actually a prototype. We took, you know, here the adventure and designed and created a small piece of hardware. And we also built a mobile application and a web interface. So we have a complete package um, of an IP. 
ready to launch this. And we are, as we speak again, we're checking, you know, uh, opportunities, what to do with it. You know, it's great for medi maybe medical insurances to give to, cust to, to customers, maybe for hospitals, maybe for clinics, maybe to sell it individually on Amazon. Um, with the same with everything, with the microchip, for example, the 3D multiplanetary, we cannot create a prototype because it's costly. Uh, but we are looking for that uh, for partners. Okay, we're looking for partners that do they do have the equipment and they do have the apparatus and everything to work with them to produce you know a test chip that is made in this architecture. Um, so you know it depends on the project. Yes, we do have a vast amount of projects, but you know majority of them we try to reach to what we call an IP package, which is an, a patent. And if we can afford, we could create a prototype, and then it's something to say, okay, let's monetize it from here by trying to license it. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine some consumer medical device companies that would say, hey, this this thing looks pretty cool. Let's uh, yep. let's let's license it and roll it out. Um, so now I'm starting to understand a little bit more about your business model. Um, in your role as CTO of GBT Technologies, yep. what's your chief uh, security concern. Um, currently, again, we, we for the company itself, you know, we are protected. You know, at this point, we don't have we don't have uh, a sales or a database that you know people. You know, we don't have a co direct consumers. Um, but the, the major concern, even with what we have, is always to protect. Um, the data that we have, you know, if it's on our servers, if it's on our networks, and we do it by basi basically utilizing, you know, the the top, um, you know, cyber um, security technologies. If it's firewalls, if it's um, encryption, decryption, if it's uh, um, key exchanges and authentications, um, we have all this intact. Uh, but as I said, luckily, what we protect mainly is the IP that we have on our servers and these are well protected. So the major concern, as I mentioned, I think at the beginning of the uh, the podcast here is to make sure that we always up to date with the hardware and software, uh, make sure to always run a scan. We're always aware we not fall asleep. It's all the time uh, what we call we are proactive. Um, we're checking, checking and rechecking it again for any type of uh, abnormalities if it's network, if it's software, if it's pop-up, is anything that we, we see abnormal, we actually have some uh, automatic mechanisms actually in software that uh, that's their job to go and check. And of course, we you know we we react so far, nothing happened, not too many um, too many uh, events that we had. But again, we don't have also um, you know a customer base. Um, so that's what we do. We're all the time on the watch. We're all the time on the guard, and we're proactive with our cybersecurity measures. Awesome, makes a lot of sense. Well, hey, uh, Danny, if there was one, I guess, I mean, you've already given a lot of advice, um, and so I, I'm not sure what else I can can ask you. Um, I, I don't know. Is, is there anything else related to cybersecurity that you'd like to share with our with our audience? Um, I think we covered most, but I think that the most important thing is to always, um, I, I always advise to my, you know, colleagues and friends and family, be on the watch to anything that are abnormal, okay? 
you work on your laptop and you're writing a document, a window pops up with some message, you get some weird email, you have to make sure always, what, by the way, with emails, see the sources, the, the email uh, spam today and, and malware are extremely popular. Uh, it doesn't matter how much good the software we have, we're always getting many of them per day and you see, oh, just we just sent you here a bill, click on that file. Click on this, click on this because we got the money from here. So there's a lots of scams there. I always advise to make sure to see, you know, where what is the source of that email, okay? That's the first thing. Don't click on things just like, oh, wait a minute, I need to see, open this document. I want to see what that link takes me. Always think before you click, I call it. Um, think and look and, and carefully evaluate emails uh, for their content, for links, for suspicious things, always install on your machines um, uh, cyber security, anti, you know, antiviruses and firewalls that are very uh, easy available today. They can actually save you for many ahead of time. But even if they don't sometimes, because things get sophisticated, careful with your clicks, make sure you update and be aware and be um, aware to, as I said, aware to uh, abnormalities, weird emails, weird pop-ups, weird messages from your system uh, because this may be uh, a possible cyber attack. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Uh, TBYC, think before you click or CWTC, uh, which was, oh, click with, <laughs> click with, yes. I, I forget, what did you say that was? <laughs> there which, uh, think before you click and, and be aware to abnormalities, you know, to yeah. any things that out of the ordinary happen in your system. So, okay, you know, and, and, there's plenty of them today. All this phishing and all this uh, uh, spam and all these scams are, are flooded via emails. That's a, that's a good example. Hey, last last couple of questions, and I want to uh, switch tracks and go over to like the business side because I mean, one part of security, as you mentioned, a big part of your security posture is concerned with with protecting your IP. But sometimes, I mean, when you're when you're out uh, looking at licensing deals or potential investors or you know, even uh, potential customers, you're exposing your IP to them. And, you know, you could have a patent in place, but that doesn't prevent somebody else from copying your idea and, and going to market with it. And then the, the burden comes back to you, um, as you know, to prove that they infringed upon your patent. And at that point, you know, it it's, could involve a rather lengthy and expensive uh, legal process. So what are some best practices? I mean, it sounds like you've been doing this for a while. What are the best, what way, how do you protect your IP when you're out there having, you know, business conversations with potential partners, customers, investors? And that's a good point. Actually, it's a good, uh, it's a good point. So yes, it, it is tricky because even by the way, the patent by nature by itself is, you know, we got patent granted. Well, the patent is in processing, you're fairly protected until it's published then it's exposed to the whole world. And later on, of course, especially if it's granted and everybody can see. Um, so, you know, it, it is hard, you know, of course, when we present, you know, we typically do the typical legal thing. You have a strong NDA is intact, you know, provided by attorneys. So we make sure we have at least all the legal procedures and protocols intact, um, make sure we both sign and all good. And then we provide, you know, um, the enough information to show the strength of our technology, the strength of our IP, 
But, you know, we don't go into details. Like, for example, here we discussed one, one of the things, the key exchange thing. Okay, I, I provide you with a concept, which is a common knowledge. You can Google it and find everything on it. But I don't provide details to the level of the bolts and, you know, etc. So, and parts and bolts. So, we make sure to be cautious as much as we can, of course. Um, even patents, you know, by definition, eventually disclose uh, everything. And... Um, you know that's that's probably the best we could do you know just try to be wise by disclosing what we can disclose by protected you know protecting by all the legality side um and that, that's and providing the exact you know necessary information to show the, the strength of our ip but not going into the details to uh, enable others to actually duplicate what we do yeah, it, it, that's interesting. That's some good advice and real world experience. I've had discussions with uh, lawyers and, you know, VC uh, partners and also other founders. And it's interesting because most of them will agree that the patent, while it sounds nice, doesn't give you, you know, all the protection that you think it would. Um, I guess one of the common approaches is what you mentioned is just make sure you have a very strong NDA in place. At the same time, I've, I've you know, had conversations with uh, VCs that say we, we, we don't sign NDAs because we see, you know, hundreds of deals a week and we can't, <laughs> we're not going to sign, sign something that's going to exclude us from doing investing in something similar to, you know, that to, to what you disclosed to us. So it's, it's really an interesting uh, kind of conversation and strategy. And uh, I guess it, it also comes back to you have to trust the people that you're talking to. But yeah. when it comes to business, who can you trust? You know, it's a, it's a funny thing. Yeah. It's a wild world. I mean, we can we can always do so much. We do have to disclose and say the best is just don't file any patent and just keep it in your warehouse, you know, keep it on your service and tell no one about it. But we still believe in the system and we believe that patent does provide a good, um, you know, amount of protection. Uh, we do have our own, um, by the way, software tools that go search, you know, we do periodic search in case something similar is done in this domain we check into it and we make sure and ensure that you know nothing relate to our ip because that's the main thing that the company have you know we consider ourselves an ip company to start with and um, of course in, in major projects that we can afford we also actually develop prototypes and, and move forward but the, we periodically check you know to see that you know no, our, our ip is not infringed makes a lot of sense well, hey, Danny, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. And uh, and again, I'm, I'm totally envious of where you're living. Uh, if I'm down in the San Diego area, I, I might <laughs> Thank uh, you. ring your doorbell and try to get you out for a cup of coffee or something. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be glad if, to. <laughs> if, if, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about GBT Technologies, what would be the best way to do that? The best way is the, the, the company's website is gbtti.com. We, uh, we actually very good informing the public. We do PRs frequently. Uh, which we disclose. We very uh, we believe in full transparency. Uh, every move, every every step in in the research in R and D, uh, we disclose to the public. So the website is probably the best. We also have a good um, amount of social media. Um, you know, if it's on all the typical Twitter or uh, Instagram and all this. So also there we can see some information and 
So we have also uh, IR companies that do a lot of publication that we do, and some we have some good amount of videos, explanatory videos uh, on the on our blogs, um, YouTube, etc. Awesome. Hey, Danny, again, I really enjoyed the conversation and I wish you and your team a great finish to 2022. Thank you very much, Mark, to you the same. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.